So there's this gladiatorial arena with a bunch of women doing amazing feats. There's a doing amazing. Sorry, the cat sees. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, Danielle. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Danielle. I'm Sam. And this is the podcast where one of us explains a weird piece of media to the other person who has no experience with it. That's me. I Sam, have no experience. That's you. <laughs> I can't and get today a job. it's my turn. <laughs> oh, boy, Danielle, please get me experience. Level me up. I'll need to use you as a recommendation for my job applications. Oh, okay. Well, this may help. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Today, Sam, we are doing a two-parter, actually. Yes! Um, <laughs> I know, you get two weeks off. Aren't you excited? Uh, oh, it's, it really depends on what the media is, Danielle. It's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> it originally wasn't going to be a two-parter, but man, is this movie long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, this movie is Wonder Woman 1984. Ooh! Ooh. Now... This is a relatively well-known movie that we're doing, and I should probably explain why I'm unfamiliar with it. Yes. I haven't watched the movie. That's why. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with that, Sam? Is there an that's actual it, right. story? <laughs> nope. I just haven't watched the movie. Uh, you know. And you hadn't watched the original either, correct? Yeah. No, sometimes you're just like, oh, I, I just, something passes you by and you're like, oh, I have to watch the first one before I can watch the second one. And I'm just like, I, I'll get to it later. Okay. Um, and to I'm it. <laughs> And to our uh, benefit here, since now I get to explain Wonder Woman 1984 to you, I have seen both of them. I did not bother to rewatch the first one before I watched 1984. So we're going to, you're going to go in with only the memories that I have of the first one, Sam. Well, that's going to be a real problem, I think, but I'm sure our lovely <laughs> listeners will be happy to correct you on any superhero minutia you get wrong, because oh, Internet just sure loves correcting women about superheroes. <laughs> uh, about women superheroes in particular. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah sure. I apologize in advance. I'm sure I'm not getting things 100% correctly or uh, don't remember why things are happening. And you know what? Just go with it, everybody. Just that's, accept that we are who we are. <laughs> People don't come to this podcast to get accurate, faithful recreations of media. They come here for our stupid, stupid interpretations of this media and our dumb reactions. At least I hope that's why they're here. Otherwise, I have no idea what we're doing. I think they're missing the point of book retorts. Maybe they see a new point in the show that we are missing, Danielle. Maybe they see something we don't. That's entirely possible. Feel free to let us know. Uh, but... <laughs> I will admit, when I was watching this, it made me realize how weird all superhero movies inherently are. <laughs> yes. I mean, when you start to think about them for more than five seconds, you're like, this is a very strange concept. It is. I agree. And I am going to fill you in just a tiny, tiny... I don't have a summary for you. I probably should have found one. Let me see if I can find a good one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're professionals, everybody. Don't do this at home. <laughs> You can cut this part if you want to. Where's the fun in that? Do you know anything about Wonder Woman? Like, not the first movie. I just mean her in general. Her background. Oh, that she was originally a fetish thing about tying people okay, up? Okay, I yeah. don't mean that, Sam. <laughs> oh, I, meant, yeah. I meant her story for the, like, 
the show for the comics, like yeah, where she, she came from. Themyscira, Amazonian, she's a princess, Diana, she can spin around in a circle in the old TV show to put her costume on. She has an invisible jet, which I don't think makes an appearance in the movies. Uh, Lasso of Truth, the bracers of deflecting bullets, that kind of stuff, yeah. Okay. And also, I'm going to give you like two little, well, here, I have a summary for you. Go ahead and you're going to read it. And then I'll give you two little- Good start. I'll give you two little tidbits about the first movie that you'll need to watch this movie. All right. Again, I'll be honest. I never read any comic books as a kid. I don't really know all the lore, only what I've absorbed through the zeitgeist, so- You don't need to know anything. Perfect. Okay. Here is the summary of Wonder Woman 1984, Sam. Where is- the new speak, womp womp. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Diana must contend with a work colleague and businessman whose desire for extreme wealth sends the world down a path of destruction and after an ancient artifact that goes missing. Uh, question, Danielle. <laughs> yes. How is that different than our current world where all the billionaires and their extreme desire for wealth is sending the world down a dark and destructive path? It is not. It is really a metaphor for modern day greed. <laughs> Great. So this is going to be a very depressing uh, summer. I can't wait to see our societal mirror held up and reflected back as what people venerate these unnecessary billionaires. <laughs> well, hopefully Wonder Woman will kick butt and save the day. Yeah, that doesn't help us. <laughs> In the real world, we're still screwed. Yes, we are, unfortunately. However, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. This is a fun podcast, I promise. Okay, so essentially, the Wonder Woman's like the daughter of Queen Hippolyta, and she is raised on this hidden island, which is home to the Amazonian the Amazons, the Amazonian warrior woman, um, mm-hmm. that are created by the Olympian gods to protect mankind. And so they thought the best way to protect them was to lock them on an island in isolation. Okay, Sam, I don't know the... I do not... I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. I don't know the background of Wonder Woman, and I don't remember the I'm first movie well enough to tell you. <laughs> That's like a very bad way to... Oh, we created the people to protect the humanity. Now, go stay on this island and never leave. Great okay, job. I think they leave, Sam. They leave. Obviously, she she's not on the island for Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> Yeah, but wasn't it like some big deal that she left? Probably. Sam, I don't, I told you you're going to have to go into this with the same amount of knowledge that I have from the first movie. This is, I was already falling apart. Go on. Let's hear the next tidbit. (laughs) Okay, so the point is she's raised on this all woman Amazonian warrior island. And yes, at some point in the first movie, she leaves or she's already, I think she's already gone and has some memory issues. But you know what? Doesn't matter. We're not doing the first movie. Perfect. So the second thing is in the first movie, she falls in love. It's she is it's set in nineteen eighteen, I believe, and she falls in love with a fighter pilot named Steve. Ooh, Steve the fighter pilot. Sign me Steve up. Steve the fighter pilot. And he is played by Chris Pine. Oh, it had to be one of the Chris's. Yeah. I mean, that's just a given. <laughs> the superhero movie? Of course. Yeah. And so there's a whole, you know, end of world scenario. She saves the day. But during it, Steve has to basically self-destruct a plane to save everybody. And he dies in the process in the first movie. So it's basically Independence Day. Yeah. With the, with the drunk guy being Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The guy who sacrifices a plane, drives into the big mothership at the end in, in the light beam and saves the day. A hundred percent. Yes. Uh, he, so he is helpful in that. Obviously, Wonder Woman plays a, a huge role as well in saving the day. But the two of them managed to save the world at the time. Hey, well, the world is saved. Don't be destroyed yeah. later. Yay. She, she also doesn't seem to age or at least not age very quickly. She's still the same age in this movie. 
Yeah, the Amazonians are immortals, essentially, right? Or something yeah, yes, akin to probably that. probably once they reach a certain age, I imagine, because we do see her as a child. And that has always made me wonder about things like the immortals in you know, uh, the Asgardians or the, the, the Themyscirans. Like, do they just age normally as children or is it like a thousand years to get from a child to an adult? I have no idea. And maybe the movie talks about that, the first one, but who knows? I don't anyway. think so, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so starting Wonder Woman 1984, Sam, are you ready for this? Oh, let me ask, what year does it take place in? 1984, Sam. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, 1973. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I thought they'd do something more, I mean, obviously, Danielle. <laughs> Actually, it starts uh, in a time away from time with a little girl in a gold onesie running across a veritable utopia, Sam. Let me guess. It's Mini Diana. It's Mini Diana. And there's a voiceover reflecting on her past and wishing she'd paid more attention as a child to all the lessons that she was learning. I mean, that's true of all children. Pay attention, kids. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't as a kid. So there's this gladiatorial arena with a bunch of women doing amazing feats. There's obviously some kind of competition that everybody's working out for. And the crowd is filled with women in toga-esque outfits. And everybody on the battlefield is in, you know, metallic onesies, dresses. I don't know, Sam. I mean, it sounds stylish as heck. It is. It's well, it's a very stylish movie, actually. The costuming. I wonder if they were up for an Oscar because there was a lot of costuming choices. So the girl, Diana, as you so rightly assumed, runs into the arena to join the contestants that are about to compete. So she's like, I want to fight too. Yes. And an older woman who I think is possibly related to her. I can't quite remember. <laughs> she looks like a grandmother. You just or something. watched this movie, right? This isn't the first movie. No, this isn't the first movie. This is the second movie. Uh, So it assumes you know some of these characters. So an older one comes up to her telling her the competition is hard, even for the most seasoned warriors. And little Diana is like, it's fine. I've totally got this. (laughs) Like, essentially. And she does. So I want you just to imagine it's basically like one of those ninja warrior competitions that you see on TV, but set in a gladiatorial arena. (laughs) So it's a giant obstacle course above like a mud pit? Uh, Kind of, essentially. It's on the ground. But yeah, there's there's a giant obstacle course. There's lots of running and jumping and swimming and they do leave the gladiatory arena at one point and it like drops them down into the ocean how how are the uh con- i've always wondered when they do that how are the observer like oh we're gonna leave the gladiatory arena where all the crowd is like that defeats the purpose of having a crowd okay so i guess they end up on some horses and they're traveling around this island and they have these circles these metal circles that they have to shoot arrows at and if they, when they hit their section of the circle the a color of smoke rises up in the air and then it shows that that person's ahead in the circuit okay so i guess i still have some fun observation okay cool all right horse race got it yeah and then inside the arena they like there's people who like lower flags down and everybody cheers because they can tell who's ahead and then they make it back to the arena and finish at the arena so they do a bunch of stuff in the arena they leave for i don't know 30 minutes and then come back So that's when they get all their snack breaks and food in, Sam. Oh, okay. I forgot. That's a commercial break where like, the Themyscirian person comes out and says, Dear Themyscirians, are you tired of that not-so-fresh feeling? <laughs> exactly. Well, <we> have- <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Diana, astoundingly, is in the lead as they make the circuit on their horses. How old is she? Like 11? Yeah. 
I would say probably around there. She's they pretty let, small. They like a child compete in this? Like, aren't there any rules? I think that they're pretty like hardcore there. I think if you want to compete as a child, you can compete as a child. No, it's not respect. like anybody's right. mean or cheating or honor or something. Like they're not like they, everybody's very respectful of each other there. It seems okay. I just you know, I just most competitions have like you know you can't join the Olympics before a certain age or whatever. I'm pretty sure 11 year olds could be in the Olympics. Or something 12 year olds. I don't know. It's pretty young, Sam. <laughs> Uh, they generally aren't like you know aren't they like they just changed the age limits for like gymnastics this year or something yeah i don't know sam they, this is ancient old greek i don't know sam i don't think they have <laughs> limits these kids could work I'm in a say, like a <laughs> factory I, I, all i say is that like i would love to see the boxing competition between the like the 10 year old and the adult <laughs> yeah that doesn't happen it's all just gymnastics ninja style all right <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Which she's apparently pretty good at. So anyway, they're riding. She's ahead of everybody, just ahead of them. But she gets caught up in watching them, like looking back to see where they are. And she gets smacked in the face with a tree, like <laughs> a tree branch. This is why kids should not be allowed to compete because they're idiots. <laughs> so she falls off her horse. Uh, everybody you know, blazes ahead of her. And then as she's watching them kind of ride ahead of her, she realizes that she's near a rock slide area and she knows that it's a potential way for her to get ahead. So she slides down it and her horse keeps running as she once she falls off of it. And so she ends up catching her horse again as it had ridden ahead. And she is now ahead of the group again. And she makes it back to the arena just yes. ahead of the others. Yes. Nonsense. It <laughs> <laughs> it's not the point, Sam. Wait for it. <laughs> So once she gets back to the arena, for not being on your horse. Okay, wait, Sam. <laughs> so she gets back to the arena, and the last task in the arena is to grab a, a javelin, and she has to throw it through this very high a hoop. What? That's a javelin. A javelin. A javelin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mean, sorry. Say I it? It. Javelin. Okay. Well, you know what? Weird East Coast person. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's not why I say javelin. <laughs> Okay, that's what it is. She grabs it. Who cares how we say it? I'm you sorry. know what I'm talking about. How do you about. say the uh, round uh, breaded thing with a hole in the middle? And you put cream cheese on them? Bagel? Okay, I was hoping you'd say bagel. I definitely don't say bagel. <laughs> well, you say javelin. I think javelin so I, I think javelin's a perfectly fine word. Listeners, feel free to throw out whether you say javelin. Is that how you said it? Javelin, yeah. Or Javelin. <laughs> okay. I would love well, to see anyway. the Twitter poll on that, Danielle. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I'll put it up there. Anyway, Sam, she's about to throw this okay. Javelin Javelin through a high above hoop that is off the ground. And Janice Joplin. <laughs> and as she's about to throw it, she is stopped by someone who appears to be the leader, who I'm pretty sure is related to her. <laughs> her mom? Isn't her mom the queen? It's not her mom. It's like the grandma. It's like the woman who's in charge oh. of all the warriors. And telling her that she's not allowed to, to shoot the javelin javelin because she took the short way and is not ready to win. And there's no shame in that, but she's just not allowed to, to win the competition. And Diana, Disqualify. Let's test her urine. Exactly. Diana screams about it not being fair, but the woman says that no true hero is born from lies. Um, again, also why children should not be allowed to compete because they don't understand the concept of I didn't win. That's not fair. Right. But this is a hard lesson for her, Sam. She's learning it. 
Good. All right. So now her mom, who I assume is her mom, clearly in charge of something, as you said, the queen, comes as well. She hugs her and tells Diana that her time will come um, and she should look to the golden warrior Asteria. And she gestures to this giant golden statue with wings um, that all the winners are gathered around as they receive their accolades. And she tells- Yes. If this statue comes to life and starts kicking butt at some point in this movie, I will be upset. (laughs) Well, I'll give you a hint that in the first part, that does not happen. So she tells her (laughs) that the warrior embodies diligence, patience, etc., all the good traits, and she should follow those ideals, and she will be greater than anyone. So that's her her learning lesson for the movie, Sam. No pressure, kid. Oh, yeah, you're going to be the best. You better be the best. She's like a princess, to be fair. She has a lot of pressure on her. Yeah, I'm saying it's not healthy. So only pile more pressure on. All right. Fast forward to 1984, Sam. Oh, okay. We are in a dystopian world. There are cameras everywhere. Yeah, it's the most 1984 to ever 1984. And it's like, okay. very, this movie is very heavy handed in many ways, and it knows it's heavy handed. And one of the ways is setting this in 1984. And when you watch the opening scene in 1984, it's just like very obvious that it's 1984. <laughs> Like anything you can think of. Now, you say 1984 the year or 1984 the novel? Like, are they making allusions? 1984 the year. Okay. I was going to say, like, if they're making allusions, like, we're going to make a George Orwell parallel here. That'd be interesting. But okay. It's just like. It's not. It's it's just just a lot of spandex, everybody's their Walkmans, the music's blaring. There's like all the cars. There's like, it's just very 1984. And a woman is running in spandex across the street where a hot rod is like buzzing through town and it almost hits her as she crosses, but a foot in a red leather boot reaches out and kicks the car, making it spin away, and then the person disappears and the woman is saved. Guess who the person is, Sam? Oh, uh, Superman. But I think that'd be a better way... (laughs) There's gotta be a better way to save that woman than kicking a car. Well, the car was fine. It just spun around and there was no other traffic and all the guys in the car were just like, oh, we almost hit somebody. That was wild, man. What happened? All right. Everybody's fine. Okay, so Superman saves the day with his red boot. Yes, Superman saves the day. And as this is happening, like as we're going through town, there's a commercial voiceover that's happening at the same time. And it's talking about how they are the future, like they're in the future, the future is now kind of stuff. And it ends up being a commercial for Black Gold Cooperative, the, quote, first oil company run for the people by the people. For a low monthly fee, you can own one of the most lucrative companies in the world. And every time we strike gold, you strike gold. Uh, uh, I hate this already. <laughs> this is told to us by a handsome blonde haired man who looks a little like a rich car salesman or Nathan Fillion. Um, <laughs> and he's played by Pedro Pascal. <laughs> oh, Pedro Pascal. Everyone's favorite person, I guess. Yes, but he's blonde in this movie, which is kind of fun since I know it's not. It sounds normal. weird. I kind of want to watch yeah. it just to see a blonde Pedro Pascal. Yeah, it's a, it's convincing. It's, it's kind of a it's a it's a good look for him, but he does look like a rich used car salesman. So meanwhile, a man walks into a mall jewelry store and flashes a gun and is like, "I hear you have a nice little side business going on in the back, and if you let me back there, you won't tell, and I won't tell." And they just like usher him in the back. So back behind this jewelry store, there's a bunch of treasures like antiquities and art and stuff, and the camera zooms in on some kind of artifact that you can't quite see, and the music gets you know swells and is very suspicious. There's something in the box. So Sam. when does Flynn show up to take this back to Judson? <laughs> Shortly. Um, they have to steal <laughs> it first. <laughs> I would love to see crossover. a crossover of the librarian and Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean, I don't think fans would be that upset by that. <laughs> I mean, the Marvel fans would be, the librarian fans would not be. <laughs> Danielle, 
you've just made an epic blunder. This is DC, not Marvel. Oh, I'm so sorry. Don't put that in there. I know. You're going to get so many angry emails. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the DC fans would be, but the librarian fans would not be. (laughs) The Marvel fans would be fun and hilarious. So, you know, maybe we can get them on our side and make this happen. Yeah, the Marvel fans would probably like it. So as they're leaving, one of this is the stupidest robbery in the whole world. As they're leaving, one this of them a drops. Robbery? <laughs> yeah, they're robbery. Why just is he not that stealing same. the jewelry? He wants because there's antiquities and like gold in the back. Like it's worth way more money to be in the back than in the front. Yeah, but like it's way harder to fence an antiquity than it is just a bracelet. Well, clearly they must have some buyers or something, Sam. I'm not arguing that, but the point is, like we had <laughs> we had to have some way to get into the antiquities room behind the jewelry store that was like a covering up the antiquities. You have to <laughs> like we had to get in the room, Sam, so we could find the antiquities. <laughs> Say antiquities one more time. As they're leaving, one of them drops a gun and a woman in the mall screams. She's like, there's a gun! And everybody in the mall goes insane. It's a packed mall. It's super busy. To be fair, it depends on where this mall is. If it was like the Mall of America, no one would bat an eye. Uh, probably not, but I. <laughs> it's set in D.C., All right. perhaps. Then maybe that would be a problem. <laughs> so the bad guy runs for it and one, one, one of the bad guys run for it and one of them gets kind of trapped by the cops that are coming up and he grabs a kid and holds her over the edge of the second floor screaming that he won't go back to jail one assumes and everybody's flipping out and the kid's screaming and there's a lot of commotion but it's totally cool because a woman in a metallic red and blue and gold ice skating outfit flies down on a golden lasso of truth in parentheses and gets the kid back <laughs> Uh, are you calling her costume an ice skating outfit? It's a little bit like that, but like a cool one. I mean, ice skating outfits are actually pretty cool in general, but this is no, like no. a metallic, almost like feathery one. I'm just trying to establish that this is your editorializing, not an, an act. She's not actually ice skating around the mall or whatever. She's not ice skating around the mall. She just has an outfit on that reminds me a lot of ice skating outfits, but like made out of metal. But I'm sure it's not really metal. It's probably some kind of hybrid, you know, thing that protects Magic her. Magic Themyscirian fabric. Sure. <laughs> exactly. But it looks a lot like metal. She looks like a kick butt ice skater. So is this Superman? No, this is Wonder Woman. Oh, Sec- right. Okay. The Diana Wonder Woman. You know yeah. enough about this to not be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but Superman saved that car earlier. I thought he was coming to save the kids. What he does, he doesn't I mean, just murder I things watch, blow up buildings. I would watch a Superman movie where he is in a ice skating outfit with a little skirt. I will. I would watch, like, you know, the I Tanya movie if it was just Superman and Wonder Woman. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So she takes out the bad guys, mostly by catching them all with her magic endless lasso of truth, which is just a big gold whip that just, I don't know, can go as long as she wants it to go. It doesn't seem to have any length requirements. So it's not really a lasso then. No. And she's super adorable while she's doing it. She's making quippy things and winking at children. And then she's dropping them all on top of a police car outside the building. So she's done their work That's for them as usual. Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Totally is. Style capture. Correct. Yeah. And then the, the cut scene and all the police cars are outside and everything. And the news is suggesting this is, this is at least the sixth time this vigilante has saved the city in the last year. Okay. Uh, point of contention, is rounding up a few bank robbers really saving the city? Well, I mean, there was, they were flashing guns in a crowded mall and then kidnapped a child and was going to throw her in the second story building. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she saved that child. No question about that. But I, like, wouldn't call that a, oh, they've taken a child hostage. The entire city is in danger. Like, no, like, that's not the same thing at all. (laughs) 
It sounds good on the news, Sam. Yeah, typical mainstream media blowing things out of proportion, sensationalizing the news for the 24-hour cycle so they can get a headline. Yes, that's exactly what's happening in 1984 <laughs> as well. See, there's no time There's no time era limit on sensationalizing news. I mean, that's, you know, the history of yellow journalism certainly shows that's true. Exactly. Anyway, Sam, cut to the vigilante's house where you see photos of Diana. <laughs> Clearly, all of this woman in older times. This is supposed to be like, a surprise. Are they try- it's a movie trying to be like, oh, you didn't know that was Diana. Surprise. Or is this, I mean, because this seems like a pretty obvious thing. Well, I mean, I think if you'd watch any of the previous other movies or knew anything about Wonder Woman, you would know. But I guess it's kind of slowly laying out the idea that she's lived a really long time and still looks exactly the same. Okay, sure. It's, it's trying to be a good movie, Sam. Jeez. <laughs> See, this is the problem I have with a lot of these superhero movies in general, is that they have a larger context and they try to split the difference about explaining the larger context for people who haven't watched every movie in the cinematic universe in question, or not just repeating things ad nauseum so that you can be caught up. And I don't think they always succeed. I think this movie tries to be very casual in the way that it's telling you the past bits of her life. Like, it's just kind of... Okay. Kind of like throwing them in there, like later when she mentions Steve passing, like she just kind of, it's like a kind of a throwaway comment so that the audience knows that it happens in case they didn't know that from the first movie. So that it's like, cause it's a relevant plot point later kind of thing. So. Okay, so this one does it well. One of the better. Uh, yeah, well at enough. That thing. I mean, yeah, it's not like yeah. super obvious and they don't do a lot of like flashbacks or anything like that. So that saves you from oh, all well, of that, good. which is always annoying. Yeah. So. This is Diana, played by Gal Gadot, as we all know. And she leaves her house and has dinner out at a restaurant that evening. A lonely dinner, you can tell, because the waiter comes up and says, Are you waiting on anyone? And she's like, No, it's just going to be me. And he clears away the entire other place setting in front of her. What a petty waiter. (laughs) I was like, I've eaten out a lot alone. And I don't ever recall somebody taking an entire place setting away from my table. Were they running out? Were they like... Uh, we have a six top coming in and we're out of plate. Quick, go ask that woman if she needs her plate. I know. It was kind of wild. I mean, maybe one sense ever happened, but it just, the way that he did it, he's like, oh, your nobody's coming in. All right. Let me just clear this whole side of the table for you then in front of you. Does he take like, chair Ouch. too? Does he put up a sign that says lonely lady over here? Yeah, it was kind of a, I just, I laughed when I saw it. She's clearly lonely too. Like you just get that from the music and her kind of looking at the couples and all that stuff. So, all right, cut to another scene. That's probably the next day because it was dark and now it's light outside. <laughs> That's a good clue. She, <laughs> and she is a woman in the 80st of clothes. It's a hot pink, like, top, like, lycra Who kind of she? top. That's You'll get there, Sam. You'll have to be introduced to the minute. Okay. This is a woman. Okay. I'm just making sure it wasn't Gal Gadot again or, or Wonder Woman no, you're talking about No, it's completely still. different. This is a blonde-haired All woman, right. Gal Gadot. Ga- Gal, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Diana is, like, brown-haired. And well, I know what they look like. You didn't tell me he was blonde. <laughs> you just said some other woman. Like, all I said was, she's in this, and who is she? I said, cut to a scene of a woman. If it was Diana, I would have said, cut to a scene, Diana in her 80s clothes. <laughs> but uh, no, that's not clear, the case. Danielle. This is a woman. She's in a hot pink, like, lycra-type top that you can, like, pull down that looks short, but you can pull it down to be long. She's got a shin-length, I don't know, gray-brown skirt on and heels, and she's played by Kristen Wiig. So, today, everyone, on Danielle's Fashion Podcast, we'll be discussing 80s fashion. I mean, I think this is relevant to the story a little bit, but also... uh Yes. <laughs> this movie really settles into its fashion. <laughs> a little is, bit like yeah. Mad Max. It's a whole like, okay. 
five. Yeah, that's a very apt comparison, Danielle. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So she trips a little on her heels, but tries to keep walking, but then promptly manages to drop everything. And two guys walk by her in this office that she's now in. The two guys walk past her and don't help her because they're jerks. And then Diana, of course, being the nicest of everybody, walks over and helps her pick up her stuff and introduces herself to this person as Diana Prince. Let me guess. A couple of things. Diana Prince on the nose. Come on. You're just one <laughs> cess away from telling everyone your job back home and Themyscira. <laughs> Two, are they going to end up being enemies? I am not telling you any of that yet, Sam. Okay. So Diana introduced herself, Diana Prince, part of the cultural anthropology and archaeology department. And the Where? lady at the Smithsonian, okay. pretty sure. Okay. So yeah, that's the Smithsonian. It suggested later. I didn't catch it right at the beginning. And then later I'm like, I think this is the Smithsonian. So the lady in pink says she is Barbara Minerva, geology, gemology, lithology, and part-time crypto... Crypt- Cryptozoology. <laughs> Part-time crypto... Oh, boy. She did a lot of stuff in college. Barbara Minerva is her name. Is she named Minerva because it kind of sounds like the color of her outfit? Uh, no, I assume... Isn't Minerva? I don't know why she's called that, but is Minerva... Minerva is the... a goddess, yeah. Right. I'm wondering if that plays into it at all. I don't know the history of Minerva. All right. Well, again, our ignorance on the classics has come back to bite us. Yeah, we really should study up because I feel like we've had quite a few uh, scenarios where it would have been helpful to know our Greek or Roman classics. (laughs) To be fair, Danielle, some of those Greek stories would make excellent episodes of book retorts. That's true. We could could do a a couple weeks of weird myths. Yeah, like... Or like adaptations Hercules, of myths. We could do like Perseus and we could have like uh-huh. a bunch, we could do a bunch of stuff. Yeah, be fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, they're interrupted by a woman looking for Barbara who can't seem to remember her from their multiple interviews, which I'm very heavy handedly telling you that Barbara is quite the dork. And she's like, whatever, the FBI is dropping off some stuff for the mall heist and the jeweler, um, the jeweler was used as a front for stolen goods or antiquities. Antiquities, Sam. And they need <laughs> They need Barbara to help identify one of the pieces because they don't know what it is. Um, It's antiquity. We established that. (laughs) Well, Barbara's going to take a look at it and confirm. Oh, okay. I I can do that job. I like something. Yeah, that's old. (laughs) Done. (laughs) So Diana comes up later in the day to take a look at the pieces, a supposed work curiosity, you know. Because she's part of the archaeology and Do just let any random person department. come up and be like, here's the evidence from this recent crime. Come poke your nose into it. Well, all their, off- all their spaces in the lab are just like tables. It's kind of a pretty open okay. area concept. So she's just wandering and she was said, she's like, I'm so sorry to bother you. I just was super curious, you know, what came in. And Barbara's like, oh, that's fine. Because she's like, excited that like Diana's paying any attention to her whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so she helps her take a look at the unidentified object, which looks like it's basically looks like a dark rock on the bottom and there are like amber crystals shooting out of it and it's a pretty big thing i would say maybe as big as like a 24 ounce glass like it's a pretty large thing so a pint glass almost yeah kind of around that size i would call this the magic pint from now on go for it Barbara says it's a citrine and it's not worth very much. And Diana's looking at it and there's Latin written on it. And Diana says, like, translates it. She says, place upon the object held but one great wish. And Barbara's like, you read Latin? And Diana's like, oh, well, you know, languages are a hobby for me. (laughs) 
Okay, first off, Latin, that's the Romans. So movie, you done goofed. We'll get there, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Roman thing. No, I was saying that Diana is a Greek, not a Roman person. Yeah, but she's into languages. Okay. So Sorry, she's anyway, learned a lot. She, like, she speaks multiple languages in this movie. She clearly like... She's had time to learn, I suppose. I know, that's what, that's what she's implying, is that like I've been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Like, I know all the languages, hun. <laughs> All so this them. guy comes, this random scientist comes by, grabs the, the you know, just touches the, the thing and is like, I wish I had a coffee. This is why I don't leave things out. Well, they're just standing there like holding it. And hilariously, some guy comes in and is like, I have an extra coffee. Does anybody want one? So and so. And the other department didn't want it. And they all laugh at the coincidence. And Barbara, her awkward self, is wistful, wondering what she'd wish for if it actually worked. And Diana kind of is still holding it and she kind of caresses it and clearly contemplating the same. And she closes her eyes briefly and her hair blows lightly in magic wind because there's a lot of magic wind in this movie. Why is there wind inside a... All right. A la- the I'm point is, mind. is like, so you know when you're looking at it that like, oh, there's something magical going on. And she's like, I know what I'd wish for. And I'm sure that this thing is not magical at all. <laughs> this antiquity. <laughs> Citrine. Uh, no, of course it's not. Also, what you should wish for is something practical. I don't know, like a nice omelet. Okay, this is why Sam's not allowed to have uh, <laughs> magical artifacts. I'm a simple man, Danielle. I want simple pleasures. You know, good breakfast. You could just go make yourself an omelet. <laughs> Yeah, but like, if I had you know, like a like, let's say an infinite wish machine like this, you know, I would just usually be like like a replicator or something from Star Trek. Like, okay, like an omelet. Like, why go make myself an omelet? I'm gonna go wish okay. up an omelet. Yeah, if it's if it's never ending wishes, but what if it's not? I think well, this thing is a, is a wish machine that never runs out. Okay, well we'll find out later in the plot. You know how to do that, Daniel? I'd wish it to be a never ending wish machine. <laughs> I don't. I bet you can't. I bet it's like a genie where you can't wish for more wishes, Sam. <laughs> Look, Danielle, you can't go imposing rules on wishes. That's how we get into trouble. (laughs) Just saying. I bet that's what it is. Fine. Okay. So, Barbara thanks her for talking to her, and Diana, clearly feeling bad, asks if she wants to go get some dinner. Aw, she's trying to make friends. Yes. Meanwhile, back in Diana's house, an old watch sitting in a place of honor on a bookshelf that is stalled that's not working, it suddenly starts ticking again. Uh oh, is there a time travel involved? Or maybe. Oh, let me guess. Let me guess. Did she wish for her lover to be back alive? Is he going to be a zombie? Yes. You know the plot. <laughs> how did you know, Sam? Wonder Woman zombies. I want to see, see, like, this is how a zombie outbreak starts. Someone wishes for someone to come back from the dead, but they don't specify how. It's a monkey paw situation and they're evil. Yep, you'll get there. Perfect. So, definitely, definitely zombies. The two seem to be hitting it off at dinner. Barbara asks Diane if she's ever been in love, and Diane admits at once, yes, long ago with a pilot, but he passed away. And so Diana has been pining for this guy for like 80 years? Yeah, it's her true love, Sam. True love. Bull. <laughs> BS. True love. <laughs> Movies are dumb. <laughs> I mean, maybe she's had other partners since then, but this is, this is the one that she wishes was still around. To be fair, okay. their love ended very abruptly. Yeah, but like, she's not human, I suppose, but in general, like, I'm not saying you can't love someone who passed, but human beings have the capacity to love more than one person is all I'm saying. Maybe she imprinted, maybe her her species, her type of person does like not, maybe they just, okay. yeah, like it only has one mate. <laughs> I don't know, I Sam, I, maybe it covers it in that. the first movie and I don't remember. <laughs> 
Maybe that's why there's no men on the island, because they can't have them screens imprinting all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it's a possibility. So that evening, Barbara's walking home, clearly really happy with how the evening went, that she's making a new friend, and she passes this homeless man who's lying on a bench, and she calls out to him. They clearly know each other. And this is Leon. And she was bringing him a meal or leftovers from the restaurant. It's unclear what, but it's, she's trying to get him them before they got cool. And they have a nice little chatty moment, and she goes on her way. And as she's walking through the rest of the park, she's immediately harassed by a drunk guy, probably a businessman because he's in a suit and in like a trench coat. The worst kind of businessman, the drunk the... sexual harassing kind. Yeah. And she doesn't take, she when she doesn't take his offer of help, quote unquote, to get home, he starts to attack her, obviously. Great. But it's, I know. Good but people. it's intervened by Diana who pushes the guy away and he basically like flies across the part of the park that they're in. And Diana kind of brushes it off like, oh, it's a simple self-defense movement that Wait, uses their... Was Diane there too? She wasn't there until that moment. So she clearly was either so, watching her or happened to be in the area. I don't know what happened, but she managed okay. to interrupt. That was my first question is how did Diana know that she was in trouble if she'd gone home? But... B, why didn't she just do it surreptitiously like she was the car instead of being like, oh, let me do something clearly superhuman in front of this brand new person Well, I it's just not met. like the person flies across the whole park. They just like, they probably get pushed back about 10 to 12 yeah, feet. Yeah, but she also appeared out of freaking nowhere. Yeah, but I mean, you could, as a human being, you would just brush that off as, oh, they must have been in the same park and saw me or something. Mm. Like, I don't think that's the part that would weird you out. I think the part that weirds you out is that the guy got pushed pretty quickly, but Diana says it so reassuringly that she just uses his own momentum against himself and that she could teach her the self-defense move if she wants to, then I think she immediately is like, oh, okay, well, I guess you're just good at that. <laughs> like, I don't no think one she knows kn physics in these movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's a little suspicious, but like, what are you suspicious of? Diana seems like a totally normal human being. You're not, like, why would your first thought ever be, oh, she must have superhuman strength? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, this is my problem with superhero movies in general. In a universe where you know superheroes exist and they often go incognito, any, like, strange behavior would be immediately suspicious i agree but they always seem to act in the movies that there aren't other superheroes <laughs> that's my point like i i mean i guess this is 1984 so it might be before like superman and you know all that all the other dc movies batman and whatnot but there have to have been other superheroes in in the comic legends at that time the Fantastic Four, maybe? I don't know. I don't know comics well enough to make that assumption, but I do know that even in the later movies where superheroes do exist, people are like, never question, like, Clark Kent, Peter Man, even though they know superheroes exist, and these people act strange, like, yeah, they're just weird. It's not like they could be superheroes or something, or some other super beings or super villains or whatever. Like, everyone's just like, oh yeah, people be weird. Not a problem. I, I do believe that the percentage of superhero versus normal humans is very tiny, so you probably would first explain it in a normal way, and then if it kept happening might be like i wonder if this person's a superhero <laughs> i agree with that daniel but humans are terrible statistics like this is why when you see the news constantly about either crime or something else people get like oh freaked out oh my god i'm gonna be stabbed on my way home or like i can win the lottery if i you know because you see the news street people win the lottery i guarantee people be caught like is that person a superhero is that person a superhero because they'd be seeing the news stories about superheroes all the time sure I'm not really disagreeing. I think that's, that's probably correct. But for this world to exist and these stories <laughs> to exist, they just have to assume that they're human. <laughs> Otherwise, Nonsense. Superman would have been found out a really long time ago. <laughs> I'd be like stabbing everyone I knew I, I met in the leg to see if they were human or not. <laughs> That's why Sam can't have nice things. This is absolutely why I should not put me into a universe where there are secret superpowered people who walk <laughs> amongst us. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> I guess 
Barbara is going back to her office, I suppose. She decides to go back to her office because that's where she ends up. And she sees the citron when she... I don't know why she wasn't going home, but she decided to go back to her office and maybe she's going to work more on the, the, the stuff that she's doing for the FBI. And she sees the citrine and she kind of stops to look at it, picking it up and kind of contemplating. And she's like, I know what I'd wish for. I'd wish to be like Diana, strong, sexy, cool, special. And the magic wind lifts her hair a little and she looks very sad and she puts it down. Oh, magic wind wasn't strong enough. Yes, that must be it. The next morning, she wakes up in her office and she realizes she's accidentally fallen asleep there and she's like in the same clothes. <laughs> Maybe don't go back to your office in the middle of the night. Yeah, I don't know what her thought process was. So she takes off her skirt and pulls her long pink shirt down to cover her leggings and she walks out the door and immediately almost runs into the custodian who spills a bucket of water because he's surprised that the door suddenly opens. But she manages to to dodge it, she like steps up onto a chair with Super one of her speed. heels. Oh no, wishes coming true. Uh-oh. So she walks to the lab and the guy who ignored her earlier when she dropped the papers tells her she's looking good. And she's like, what the heck? <laughs> All right. Question. Yes. Is her sexification, which is the scientific term, is that <laughs> like in dumb rom-com where they let her hair down at the same person or... Is it just like an aura she has now? It's an aura. She looks almost identical. She puts a little more effort later into her vibe, like her clothes and her vibe. But like she, she literally just like, you know, ran her fingers through her hair and pulled the shirt down over her leggings. She looks almost the exact same. All right. Because I was about to say this movie was like, oh, yes, the monkey's paw wish machine changed her appearance to make her sex shape. Like, nope. that's a bad message. <laughs> no, this interestingly, this movie, and I hadn't thought about it, so you just said that, but this movie definitely kind of posits that it's in her own head. Like, it's a confidence thing. And once she's more confident, then Got people, it. like, start to like her more. I, You know, I appreciate that. That's a really interesting take. Yeah, she doesn't look a whole bunch different later. So meanwhile, okay. the used car salesman guy... <laughs> Pedro Pascal is being shown the lab and he is introduced to Barbara. Why? And she's, you'll get there. Sam, really? <laughs> I'm just, no, no, no. I demand to know why this oil baron of a very fishy, sounds like pyramid scheme, is in this antiquity lab and this was, mm, okay. And literally within like three sentences, you will know the answer to this. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think that answer is BS too. <laughs> it's true. So Barbara is like, you look familiar. Have we met? And her boss is like, she turns to the guy and she's like, do the thing, do the thing. And after like no prompting whatsoever, he promptly launches into his commercial spiel that you saw earlier. You're like, this is the future, blah, 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 that thing. I would be so annoyed if I was him. Well, he's not though. He's totally into it. And Barbara's like, oh my gosh, you're the oil guy and he's like yeah i am the oil guy this is maxwell lord is his name maxwell lord the names of this movie are not subtle are they <laughs> no this movie's not subtle sam it's but it knows it's not subtle it's not like it's trying to be subtle and it's secretly not so it's like it really yeah okay. it is very tongue-in-cheek i know a lot of people didn't like wonder woman 1984 but i kind of appreciated that it just went like full throttle like it just committed to its absurdity <laughs> i think superhero movies are inherently goofy and the ones that I find the most sort of uninteresting, the ones that take themselves too seriously. Yeah, you'd probably like this one then. Yeah, I, I appreciate a superhero movie that leans into kind of the goofy idea like, oh, they walk among us and no one thinks about it. Oh, you know, they're doing like just they are goofy in a lot of ways. Like not that they can't have serious themes and messages, but like they got to be fun. Yep, exactly. And this one's, I think, trying to tread that line. Um, right. So 
Apparently, Maxwell Lord is considering becoming a friend of the Smithsonian at a partner level, so he's getting a private tour and has asked for Barbara by name. They share a love of gemology. Is that the word gemology? Gemology. G J or G E M O L O G Y. <laughs> no, I, I know what the word is, but is that the like actual word for someone who studies gemstones, like a geologist a or something? Gemologist. I am assuming that's correct. I have heard the phrase before, and that is what my subtitles said. They said. <laughs> All right. I'll just, I don't know. If the I don't think they're making, making up. up words. <laughs> well, I mean, movies never make up words, Danielle. Well, not like those are words that actually exist. So it like makes more sense they would use the actually they used anthropologist and like cryptozoologist. Just, Why would they not do gemologist? I'm just really impressed by the gemologist being probably the like most straightforward version of anologist I've heard. Agreed. <laughs> well, maybe they are just very straightforward people. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. So she turns to drop off her stuff at the office before she helps him, and his smile fades immediately. He's clearly evil, Sam. The music even oh, changes. Oh, no. The oil tycoon <laughs> guy is evil. Color me shocked. <laughs> I know. The oil baron's evil. And he sneaks a look in her office and eyes the citrine, which is sitting on her desk. So, again, movie's not subtle, but it knows that. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good citrine? He's like, I'm going to touch that later. Diana wanders in later and is kind of interested slash suspicious of the animated conversation that's going on between the two of them. And she interrupts and is introduced, but she has no idea who this dude is. She does not own a TV set. She's one of those, like, I've moved beyond TV. I no longer, I'm above TV. I don't watch TV. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think Diana, I think Diana just, you know, lives a completely different age in her head. <laughs> yeah, an old soul, aka boy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he's he's apparently decided to give his entire donation to their department and is announcing it at the gala tonight. That's terrible. That's a terrible way to do things. <laughs> well, Diana's like, cool. Yeah, I don't go to those because true benefactors don't want the limelight on them. <laughs> I mean, that's not true. There's nothing wrong with having, you know, a benefactor that also gets recognition for that. But also, also, the museum would know better where to direct those funds than you would, buddy. Yeah, well, apparently he wants it to go there. And Maxwell Lord, who I swear looks a lot like Nathan Fillion <laughs> in this movie with the blonde hair, is like, I agree that I like to party. And he does a little dance. Like, he's clearly very charming, but she's still <laughs> suspicious of him. <laughs> I think you'd really like his character, by the way. I think he's fun. Like, I think Diana's a stick in the mud. Yeah, a little bit. So Diana breaks them up immediately and sends him on his way. So yes, she is. <laughs> she's suspicious what for no reason. Mode. But you know, it's a movie, so that's why she's suspicious. Yeah, fair. So Maxwell shows up at a super duper fancy castle estate office. It is like the fanciest office building I've ever seen. And Ooh. it looks like a like an estate. It does not look like an office building. And he's angrily Wait, did going- Did you mention, uh, is this taking place in New York? Is, did you mention that? It's the Smithsonian. It could be New York. could be DC. Or, or DC. <laughs> I think it's DC because isn't that what the Smithsonian is? That's No, I'm just asking like, because you were trying to mention these like buildings. I was just very confused about like there being a castle in a metropolitan area. <laughs> it kind of looks like a castle. You said it was a castle. It does. It looks like an estate. Okay. Is it in the city still is my question. Or is it like, is, it, is he gone somewhere else outside the city? Or is there like a castle in the middle of this bustling metropolis? Uh, it's kind of like has its own property and the rest of the city is just outside of it. So I don't know how far outside okay. the city is, but it definitely seems to suggest he owns this big chunky property in the middle of the city. Wild. Okay. So he walks into his office. It's a really nice lobby. He's angrily, he's passed off his mail as his secretary or his, uh, I guess his assistant perhaps is following him, like trying to get his attention, but he's ignoring her and he's angrily going through his mail, which 
shows a bunch of like overdue notices and oil magazines, which apparently exist. <laughs> I, I guarantee there probably are oil industry magazines. <laughs> if he's failing to run an oil business in the 80s, he must really be terrible at his yeah, job. The- so these oil magazines are suggesting that another company, another guy, this Egyptian guy, is like the king of oil. And it, and he's like looking through it like the article. He's just kind of angry about it. The assistant follows him into an abandoned office. And this is like that kind of office that you see when you hear that the, the feds are coming in and everybody abandons their posts and is trying to like shred everything, you know, like you see in movies. So it's like a, just a bunch of tables that have nobody at them. Like there's paper everywhere. It just looks like they left in a hurry or something. The whole office so, space, which is this huge office space, is empty. I get that he's angry that he's not the king of oil. But like again, you don't have to be the king of oil to make a bunch of money in the oil industry if you're not a moron. <laughs> if you're running a giant oil business. We'll get there. Why Why this has happened the way. I don't disagree, but we'll get to why, what the problem is. Okay. So again, the assistant's still trying to get his attention, which he's ignoring until he is interrupted by a child running at him yelling, Dad! And he's a little shocked oh. by the fact that his kid's in here, but he's excited to see his son. This is why you should listen to your assistants. Assistant, like, to get I know. Your attention. And his son's name is Alistair. Alistair. What a Yeah. What a kid's name. like 10, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the name Alistair, but Alistair Lord, like, again, you're right, movie, not subtle with its naming. <laughs> no. A cute kid, though, and he's very excited to see his father, and, his, and to his credit, he's obviously very excited to see his son. He's just kind of like, this is not the best time. And his I'm son I'm angry asks, at the magazine, son. Come back later. <laughs> I mean, he clearly has some major issues since his entire building is, like, empty. And his son asks where the pool is, seeming to reference some kind of past conversation where he'd been promised a pool. And he's like, the pool, helicopter, everything I promise will be ours. It takes time to become the number one man like your dad is going to be. And uh, this- dude, maybe set your sights on something more achievable. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's the, the wouldn't be a plot if he did, Sam. And <laughs> this man's voice interrupts saying, so you're lying to your son like you're lying to everyone else. And Maxwell chokes on his drink that he was trying to drink. And an older man appears. Okay. If this is Maxwell Lord's estranged partner, as in romantic partner, this movie just won a bunch of points for it. Uh, sadly, it's not. Of- but... <laughs> I mean, I don't of, know the relationship. Co-parenting. Maybe it is, but it's not. Uh, I think his ex ex is a female, as far as I know. I think he, they mentioned that at some point, and I can't remember if she's uh. ever met. So an older man appears, and apparently he's an investor who is pull is trying to pull out his funds. And Maxwell's oh, okay. <laughs> and Maxwell's trying to convince him that they're right on the edge of turning everything around. He's very like desperate to keep this man in. Let me ask a question about his business model, Danielle. Uh huh. Because was the whole commercial about like this supposed to be like a co op kind of oil company? Uh huh. So if that's what's happening. Why isn't he driving that? Like, why aren't they having meetings or getting money in for those people or coordinating that whole thing? Why is he, like, trying to keep this one person involved? I don't think he's just trying to keep this one person involved. I think this is one of many investors, and this is the guy who currently wants to pull out his investment. He probably made a pretty large investment. He's fairly rich. All right. Sure. So the other man insists that there was no oil and there never was and there's no turning it around. And he should have done digging on him sooner, like as a person, not just the company. Oh, so it was a pyramid scheme, like I called yeah, it out in the of. beginning. <laughs> yeah, of his real name was Maxwell Lorenzano, and he calls him a low-life con man. And this really, right, really, so really upsets Maxwell. A couple of things. Let's not get all like... 
racial about his name. Like, just because he's Maxwell Lorenzano doesn't mean he's a bad person, a con man. Like, people change their names all the time. I don't think it's meant like that, or at least I didn't take it like that in the story. It meant more like okay. you changed your name because this other person that you were had, like, wasn't doing well or something. Yeah, he doesn't ever say that he had a record specifically, but just that he, you know, had a lot of failed business dealings, probably. Okay. Uh, and if that's the case, then his name change was incredibly lazy. Like, that's the worst sort of like, <laughs> I will change my name from Maxwell Lorizano to Maxwell Lord. No one will ever suspect I'm the same person. <laughs> well, like, that's that makes what he even did. less sense. <laughs> that's what he did, Sam. I can't tell you the past history here. You don't get it. <laughs> Great. And he yelled, Maxwell yells at the guy. He's like, I'm not a con man. I'm a respected businessman and television personality. And I have a plan. And the other man's like, whatever. He gave a bunch of money to the museum and then steal a citrine that makes wishes come true. (laughs) Yes. And so the other man gives him like 48 hours to get his money or he's turning him into the FTC. Uh, Sure. Little Alistair looks super sad and his dad's trying to hold it together. And he's like, I'm not a loser. That other man is. He's a liar and he's wrong. And he'll rue rue the day that he walked away from me. Anytime someone says rue the day, you know that it's not going to end well for them. (laughs) (laughs) Diana, meanwhile, is digging through ancient Roman culture books and looks up as if she's found something. So she walks swiftly over to the crates where the citrine was being held, but it's not in the box. Not the box. I know. Crazy. And so... Surprise! That evening, Diana is at the gala event, uh, trying to find the two of them, Maxwell and Barbara. And she's getting hit on by an apparently an entire room full of sexist pigs. This movie really, really drives home the 1980s. (laughs) I wasn't really there for the 1980s, but, you know, I I guess it it sounded like it was a bad time. (laughs) And Barbara also comes in and she's clearly the center of attention as well. She had had a little dress shopping moment earlier. She's looking looking good. She's a bit more awkward about it, but she's digging all the attention. And Maxwell is super into her when he finds her and they step into her office to talk, quote unquote. But yeah, really, it's just to make out. <laughs> talk about how this one dude is trying to pull out that we're going to keep him in. So let's see if we can have that same conversation here. Yeah, he's clearly just trying to get his hands on the citrine, which he does. He puts it behind his back while they're making out. And again, it's like the size of a giant cup. And I don't know where he plans to put this thing if he's going to steal it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously down his pants. Like, oh, I'm just happy to see (laughs) you. He's just happy to see you. As Diana is searching the party for the pair, she's hit on by multiple people. One random dude finally following her around like a puppy, which she's not putting up with, by the way. It's it's very, it's great. She's like, nope, not interested. Leave me alone. (laughs) Like... So this one random dude starts following her around like a puppy, like he he's trying to get her attention, and she finally turns to him and asks him to leave her alone. And he says, I just wish we had more time, which if I recall correctly, is the same thing her dead lover said to her in the previous movie as like one of his it's closing Chris. lines. Chris it's Pine, Chris. but it doesn't look like him. It's just a random guy. Roger. Roger? Steve. Steve. Whatever. <laughs> Roger is uh, the Captain America. <laughs> Steve Rogers is Captain America. Okay, that's what I was going with it. <laughs> Who's also played by Chris. Chris Evans. Yes. Uh, you can understand <laughs> I my understood confusion. your confusion. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it totally throws her off. She's like, what did you say? And she's like, you can't say that. You're not never allowed to say that to me. Don't, don't ever do that again. And he's like, he continues and he says, I can save today, but you can save the world. Which apparently is another line he said in the movie. And he puts... Let me guess. His brain transplant zombie. <laughs> yes. And he puts a watch into her hand. And she's all like, oh my God. Steve, 
And the camera does that thing where it circles around, so you see like the back of their heads, and then it comes back. And when it comes back, the other guy's face is now transformed into Chris Pine's face. Questions. So many questions. Yes. Uh, <laughs> first, did the magic citrine shove Chris slash Steve's consciousness into an existing person, thereby obliterating oh their ego? Oh my god, Sam, I have hope so much to say about this. <laughs> okay. Because, okay. Yes. <laughs> They just took some random poor schlub and said, okay, your consciousness, gone. Oh Chris, God. you get inside of that. <laughs> okay. Because my other question was, my, my second question was, did that transformation actually happen? Or is it just like her seeing him as Steve metaphorically? So obviously it's not in, unclear in the moment, but very shortly you realize that she still sees the other dude, but she knows that okay. Steve is inside of his body somehow. Okay. So that's what's happening. Good. And that poor man just had his like ego death because of a magic crystal witch. Yeah, it's super sad, this poor dude. So, oh my Does gosh. Does that ever get resolved or addressed? I, or is it just like, don't, I don't worry know about if it this gets, guy's ego dead. Don't I worry, he's, he's comatose. do not remember if it gets fully addressed by the end of the movie. It does not in the part that I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I, I suddenly see Diana as a menace more than a hero. Oh yeah, they just like totally go with it too. They're just like, whatevs, you know, we can't do anything about it. <laughs> like... <laughs> Wild. You no. Know, so they go for a walk and she's asking him what he does remember. And he's like, well, I remember taking up the plane back in 1918 and then nothing. Like, I, I know it was somewhere good during all this time, but I don't remember where. And then I just woke up here in some random guy's house, essentially. And oh go with his wife. Is this not my beautiful wife? Is this not my beautiful house? Yeah, apparently he's a single dude. So, okay. I don't know. It doesn't have family. And I don't know, Sam. You don't learn a lot about this guy, at least in the first half. Not a talking heads fan. Got it. <laughs> ignoring you so he <laughs> he takes her back to the other guy's house and tells her he found her in the phone book and stalked basically stalked her to the party he saw her coming into her apartment and then when she left he followed her is this the second movie that's pulled a terminator that you told me about like first it was what's her face in legend finding the guy by going through the phone book in new york city and now it's this guy find diana by going through the phone book in dc i mean what else do you do in the 80s or 90s for the case of legend <laughs> Not find people. <laughs> you just don't find them. That's how it works. Well, he just came back from the dead. I would find the only person I know in the city, too. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, my point is, you just, you wouldn't succeed. Like, it's not, it, there are sometimes obstacles that are difficult to overcome. Yes. I, I, I just, I, like you said, I have a lot of questions about this. Like, is the other guy still in there? Is he aware that his body's taken over? Or is he just, That'd like, so much worse. dormant? <laughs> yeah, it's like, terrible. This is like locked in syndrome or whatever. And they're, like, like, making out. Yeah, no. Like, they are fine with the situation. <laughs> this poor that other guy. That seems like a total violation of. <laughs> that guy's bodily autonomy oh it gets worse so back at the abandoned offices maxwell pushes all the centrina related paperwork off his table which apparently he's been researching it quite a lot and grabs the stone he's staring at it and he says very dramatically i wish to be you the dream stone itself it like melts into sand in his hands this sounds like a terrible wish you know, the wind spirals around him and he grins maniacally and he's clearly taking on the, the wish stone qualities. Is his concept, his thought process, that by wishing to be the wish stone, he will be then possess it infinitely with infinite wishes? Yes. Because that's the dumbest thing ever. You already have the wish stone. So you find out shortly that the wish stone only grants each person one wish. Oh. So he can't okay. have infinite wishes. He can only have... This is how he gets infinite wishes. He can't wish for more infinite wishes, I guess. That's dumber than my solution because becoming the wish stone doesn't mean you can grant yourself infinite. Like the stone itself we'll isn't allowed to wish on the stone. We'll get there to how he does it, Sam, because he does figure out a way to get as many wishes as he wants. 
sense. All right. Well, all right. All right. Maybe I'm not thinking laterally enough for this movie. Maybe I mean, it's out thinking me. It's, it's not smart, but this is how he does it. Okay. <laughs> and Zoe so gets around it. He did think movie. it through. Great. So, so back in Barbara's house, she gets out of bed for a midnight snack and to her surprise pulls off the door of the refrigerator and she just kind of stares at it in shock. Like, what the heck? I'm an Amazonian now. <laughs> she doesn't know that. She doesn't know anything about Diana. So it switches back to Diana and Steve, who have clearly just had some sexy times because that's what you do with somebody else's body. Terrible. No, not okay. <laughs> Has he been tested? Is he clean? Who knows? And Steve is like so into both the fact that he's found Diana again and also that he's in 1984. He's eaten like a ton of Pop-Tarts. He's drinking three pots of coffee. He's like wired for sound. And he's just- I mean, to be fair, if I woke up in the 1980s with the 1980s food when I came from the 19, you know, teens with their food after being like a wartime era, like- it would be a smorgasbord, no question. Absolutely. So he tries to convince her to stay in bed all day, but she's like, you know, I really should figure out why Stone brought my boyfriend back into someone else's body. Question. Why did she go to the gala? Because uh, she was looking for Maxwell and Barbara, clearly, to find out something about the citrine, because it wasn't where it was supposed to be, and she couldn't find it. Right. And so she realized something important about it, went there to find them, and then saw her ex-boyfriend sold another body. He's like, immediately, nope, gotta go have sex this whole important mission, I'm going to drop that immediately. Like she didn't yeah, even bother finding him that night. She absolutely gets completely sidetracked. I guess maybe I would too if my long dead... Uh, I mean, I would be sidetracked, but I'd be like even more concerned then about like, oh, this stone might be much more dangerous than I just previously thought. I should find it urgently. Yes, but she does not do that, Sam. She has sexy times with the Steve slash the this Steve. random dude guy and <laughs> yeah, like goes about her business. <laughs> This is the Steve. I call him that because we're not quite sure what he is. He is maybe two consciousnesses and that's not the right. He's, he's two people in the same body. <laughs> he is. So Maxwell has gone to find the guy who gave him 48 hours to give him his money. And he doesn't have the money. But he goes to the office. He's telling him his sob story about how he found out the wells were dry because he had bought a bunch of wells, like oil wells all over the United States. But they found out they were dry. By then it was too late. He had already had all these investors and he didn't want to destroy the hope all the investors had. Also, probably he didn't want to give back all the money. And so then he decided to scam a bunch of regular people again then as investors? Yes. And so he's talking, telling him about this and the guy's like, yeah, I like I know what happened. And he's like, I just know that you wish that black gold was doing well too. And he kind of like grabs him by the hands. He's like, yeah, of course I wish that it was doing well. I invested my money in it. And Maxwell stands back, pleased. And he's like, then your wish is granted. Uh -oh. <laughs> so he's going to trick people into saying, I wish, does it have to, be? Uh, okay. I All want, right, I wish, I like all okay. those kinds of things I think work. Okay, so it doesn't have to be an exact code phrase. He has to like prompt them by saying, repeat after me. No, I but wish. he does a lot of, do you wish for that? And they're like, yeah, or yeah, I wish for that. Like, I don't think they have to say the word wish out loud. They just have to agree that they're wanting wishing for that thing. Okay, so his plan is to basically use other people as vessels for their wishes when they align with his own interests. Yeah, and it gets, uh, it spirals wildly out of control quickly. <laughs> Of course it would, because I imagine this could be a King Midas situation where, you know, suddenly unintentional people are like, hold on, like, John, you're looking so well. I wish your mother was here to see you. Yes, exactly. And then, like, his mom appears from the grave. Now take it to the zombie outbreak. Yeah, it doesn't even really get into, like, accidental wishes because he's so purposeful with his wishes. But yeah, it's a whole minefield of terrible. No, this is like the, like, what you could do is just take the crystal and surreptitiously, like, press it against people or, like, have it up your sleeve or something or, like, it's a, really big, a wire. It's really big, Sam. <laughs> 
Well, I'm just saying, like, you could maybe you can run a wire to the crystal so it conducts the wish to the crystal. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he could wish that he could conduct the crystal with his touch, that he could I mean, just. Yes, some I'm sure there's a better way to go about it. way, yeah. <laughs> but no, he is the wish zone. And then he tells he him, he's great. basically like, Your wish is granted. Also, I'm going to take all your shares in full control of black gold once you're removed from my path forever. And the guy's like, Wait, what? 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 <laughs> Why would he be removed from his path forever? Because he just wants him out of the way. Because Maxwell is a conniving like no, but like why would the guy if he's in control right now like how does maxwell have the leverage to do that okay well max oh, he has magic sam and max this is so oh <laughs> i should further explain because this is where you realize that the wish stone okay. does not just take it there's like a trade agreement going on like so it, it, it is a monkey's paw it's a little monkey's paw they kind of mentioned that later it's like they he doesn't have to take something, but he can trade things, I think. And so... So when Tom makes a wish, he's like, I'll give you the your wish, but in exchange, and, you have to give me... Yes. Yeah, okay. So he starts doing that with people. And so that's what he tells... And he just like... He doesn't give warning to this guy that that's what he's doing. He's just like, well, since I granted your wish, this is what I'm doing. And the guy's like, this wait. This sounds very like... Every wish, like, don't you have to, like, know the exchange and sign the contract with the devil kind of thing? Like, this feels... Apparently not in this... Like, it, <laughs> it feels like it violates the spirit of, you know, contract, magical contracts. We do kind of get into this a little bit later as to why this wish stone is very sketchy. Okay. <laughs> and Maxwell walks off to chipper music as, like, FBI or whatever agents flood into the building to arrest that guy for some kind of tax crime. Like, he's immediately taken out of commission because he Great. agreed to the wish. So, cue montage. Now, a fun montage of Steve trying on different 80s clothes from the guy's closet and checking out the modern age. And he's going up and down escalators, and he's really into mohawks and modern art and fanny packs. <laughs> they give no thought to the man whose life they all. just snuffed out. <laughs> that is distressing. Yeah, it's wild. And she takes him to the Air and Space Museum, and he is, like, in hog heaven because he's a pilot, and he's just like, this yeah, is course. the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my whole life, which it would be very cool to go from 1918 to 1984 and be like, what the heck? I think the whole time fish out of water thing is great. Love that. Totally agree. It is somewhat dampened by the callous disregard for how it came to oh, be. Oh, 100%. That's why it's so funny, because there's just like, there's <laughs> nothing. They don't say anything about this poor dude. They're like in his house. They're like, oh, I think he might be an engineer. And that's like the extent of their conversation about this guy. Like Diana's like, yeah, he's handsome, but you're, you know, I, I, I can only see you in there. So it's no big deal. Whatever. <laughs> No, that's not okay. He that's is a crazy. man. He existed. He had an autonomous life. I mean, sure, he had a job, maybe friends, a family, maybe. You don't know. Yep. Wild. Uh, crazy. I don't know if I'm it comes not up okay later. With this. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be. I thought it was funny. So when Maxwell arrives back at his estate castle office, the phones are ringing off the hook and his poor one assistant in the entire building is trying to answer every phone in the office. Apparently all his wells just struck oil and all the investors are calling in to up their buys. And she's like, I need more help. And he grabs her and is like, I can get you more help. Do you wish you had more help? She's like, yeah, I wish I had more help. And magic wins. <laughs> Random people start showing up and they're all like, um, Is that the sound me? effect in the movie? No, it's my sound effect. Okay, it's like a glowy and a, and a wind. And a bunch of people start showing up and it's like, um, excuse 
me, is this the hiring office? And like newspapers calling for interviews. And he's like, this is amazing. I'm totally going to go to take that interview in my office. Okay, great. And they really need an HR department you should have wished for. <laughs> well, that, they're setting all that up right now. Back at the Smithsonian, Barbara has captivated the office staff. She's making jokes. They're hanging on her every word. She's very, like I said earlier, she's just gotten like this whole new confidence in herself. And it's like really seems to be impacting people. And Diana's kind of watching her curiously, kind of suspiciously, as you might at this point, and interrupts her asking to speak with her. Does she not understand the urgency of the stone? Who, Diana? Yeah. Yeah, she's that's what she's going to talk to her about right now. Yeah, but she's like been waiting all day I and know. going to the museum with Well, it's the morning, probably. So she asks her if she can see the stone, and Barbara's like, well, funny story, but I actually let Maxwell borrow it. Diana's like, no, what? 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 She's like, it's not even ours to loan. It belongs to the FBI. <laughs> That's... And Diana, if you had found them last night at the gala, which was your intention in the first place, and maybe not faffed around all morning <laughs> going to museums with your boyfriend's soul in another man's body, this could have been avoided. <laughs> it could have been. Uh, Barbara's like, but he gave a huge donation. And also, it's like not worth it even because she says citrines are not worth much, like 75 bucks. So it's like, it's not an actual that, artifact, that, that but that's not the, the point. point. I know. That's what Diana is just like, what is wrong with you? And she uh, leaves. So Diana shows up at his estate castle office and there are people everywhere like cars backed up out on the street like like he can't control the wish that happened you know like he doesn't have any control of when it ends so there's just like people everywhere there to like be hired sure and they decide to break in because they can't get in the front door it's just too it's too busy and diana clearly struggles to get the lock off a little bit but they manage to get in and sneak into these into the office and uh, steve I want to give another name to just Steve. Like, I feel like they have to represent the fact that he is like a parasite inside another person's. <laughs> the Steve-a-site. The Steve-a-site. Okay. <laughs> feel free. So Steve-a-site's with, with her as they're breaking into this guy's castle. Got it. Yep. This castle, the state office. So they're in his office. They go through all his papers and they realize that he knows what he has. And she finds the base of the stone, which didn't disintegrate. It's like a gold ring, all the rock disintegrated. And she's looking at it and it's what was where the Latin was written originally. Uh-huh. That was written on the outside, but written on the inside is the same thing, except it's written in the language of the gods, she says. And she like drops it in surprise when she's reading it. And she- What is the language of the gods? So she'll explain in a second. She okay. tells him, tells Steve aside. Steve aside, aside, <laughs> and she's like the like the problem with the, this being the writing of the gods is which god wrote it. Like it's just the language that the gods use, obviously. But she's concerned that she says that certain what she what she does. She calls Barbara, telling her that she needs her help finding out exactly where the stone was originally found. And then she tells Steve that she's worried because gods did things for a reason, created things for a reason, and there are universal. Uh. <laughs> well, can we get there are universal elements in the world that if they become imbued in something, they can become very powerful, like her lasso of truth is. It's a truth that powers it. It's not her, and so she needs to figure out what power the stone and what God created the stone because that will change like the what the impact of is the stone. Is it a good stone or a bad stone? Are you a good witch or a bad witch? <laughs> exactly. But I think if we ever do that Greek mythology book retort segment, we will quickly realize <laughs> that God sometimes just did things for, for uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. For fun and mischief. <laughs> That's what she's kind of wondering. Is it like one of the gods that just does crap because they can or is this one of the gods that, like was trying to help, you know, human 
was it built out of something more all right, all right. nice? Cool. All right. That's a good question to ask. So she says they need to find Maxwell. Whatever the power is, it's too big for him, obviously. And Steve finds some tickets in his office that suggest he went to Cairo. And she's like, well, we can't get you on a plane. You don't have a passport. And I'm like, how do you know that this random dude doesn't have a passport in the drawer of his office? <laughs> There's that, for one. But also, like, she's magic. Can't she fly? Well, she, no. But she apparently <laughs> thinks that uh, Steve can, and she gets them a plane. And by a plane, I mean she steals a military plane, and I do not understand how. <laughs> so of the two options is sneak a man without a passport onto a plane who may have a passport and is actually like a registered citizen in this day and time and steal a plane from the military, she thinks, oh, it'll be less conspicuous to jack a military plane. Yes, and that is her plan to get them to Cairo to find the wish dude is to what steal is Cairo to do, like, <laughs> a first military plane. First. first things first. Is this military plane, is it like a, a cargo plane or is it like a jet plane? It's like a jet plane because they need to get to Cairo fast. They don't have enough fuel to get you from they the United States to Cairo. They don't talk about the fuel, Sam. I also had that question in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because, like, they're going to crash somewhere over the Atlantic. I mean, it's not going to work. <laughs> nope. They it's are gonna... on the tarmac. They are about to steal this this military plane. <laughs> well, I'm not done yet, Daniel, describing how dumb this plan is. Because the other problem is, if you fly a military plane into another country's sovereign airspace, that's an act of war, pretty much. Like, that's not going to go over well. We'll get to that, Sam. But well, I'm glad I thought that one through, about the fuel or maybe just, I don't know, sneak this guy onto a commercial flight. Yes. Uh, I'm done with my rant about the plane. <laughs> Let me see where I was. Hang on. Dumb. The plan is dumb. Diana, the immortal Themyscirian Amazonian goddess person, come up with a better plan. Okay. So Steve's super excited about this plan, even if you're not, because, oh my gosh, she gets to fly a jet plane and fly to Cairo, and that's amazing Wait, when you come from 1918. There's another problem I just thought of. Yes. I'm sorry. I know I said it was done. Yeah, liar, this, but liar, just, pants on fire. Oh, absolutely. Uh, his experience flying planes in 1918 would not translate to modern fighter jets. Do not disagree. He is also a little uh, hesitant about it, but he manages just fine, Sam. <laughs> nonsense. Absolute nonsense. <laughs> anyway, they stole it. They started up and they start to move. And air traffic control is like, um, what you doing? <laughs> and, <laughs> and she's like, oh, God, I forgot about radar. We can't hide from them because he's like, oh, once I go get going fast enough, it won't matter. They can't find me because he's used to 1918. And Diana's like, she forgot about radar. <laughs> yeah, Diana. Diana's like, wait, I know, I know. Okay, Diana, focus is such a plot thing. She's like, okay, focus, Diana, you can do this. And she starts like rubbing her hands together and she closes her eyes as she says. Did she make the jet invisible? Yeah. Yes. Sam, that's what happens, <laughs> but let me get through it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just really excited to see the invisible jet. Like, this is how they get the invisible jet. She the says, movie. I quote, which makes no sense, and maybe it makes more sense with the other movie. She said, my my father hid the mascara from the world, and I've been trying to learn how he did it. Made things invisible. But I've only done it once in 50 years. And Steve's like, well, what? now's the time. <laughs> what? This play gets dumber and dumber as they go. There are so many better ways they could have gotten them to Egypt. 100%. But she touches the plane and it ripples as Steve takes off and poof, it goes invisible, which immediately drops them from radar, which I don't know about that part. I mean, radar is light. So I guess yeah, if it's completely yes. transparent to all wavelengths of light it would work. But also, well, apparently it is. no. <laughs> I also think that would be even more suspicious if the plane you were just looking at physically could see poofed out of existence. You'd be like, uh... We need to scramble something. There's a code red here. Absolutely. It's insane. So, cut. 
to Barbara. Barbara finds something on microfiche on her way home. Love microfiche. We haven't seen that in a coon's age. What, what should she find like a microfiche lying on the ground or something? No, she's at the library and she's going through all the microfiche. She's trying to find the origins of the, the oh, okay. citrine. And on her way home, she's like running and she's propositioned by seemingly every man on the street. This movie really, really, really digs the idea that all men, unless directly involved with our heroine, are kind of terrible human beings. <laughs> I mean, it's not untrue. <laughs> it's <but> wild. <laughs> I also wonder how much of that is her wish backfiring. Yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. But it also happens to Diane. I mean, and maybe uh, that's because Diane has, you know, superhero powers and maybe she just has like the aura. Like no, you there's said. no excuse for that. That's just bad people. <laughs> I know. And Diana's, I mean, both of them are very attractive people, but like the men are just awful. And <laughs> she's ignoring all of them as she runs home, except one guy who... Surprise, surprise, is the drunk business guy who attacked her the other day. And he's drinking he's, a, back. he's drinking again on a street corner and he's like, hey, sexy, or whatever he says. And she's like, oh, wait, you. I remember you. So she abruptly stops. And he doesn't seem to quite remember her at first, but then he's like, oh, yeah, where were we? And he tries to touch her because he just is stupid. <laughs> like, doesn't realize what happened last time didn't go so well. And she grabs him with her super strength, sending him flying, and then kicks him. And she's like, you know what? She's right. Speaking of Diana, it's not that hard. I think I could do this all night long. It just keeps kicking him and kicking him, which nobody really feels that bad about, even though the music's swelling epically and, like, she's turning evil. And you're kind of like, ah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, he is 100% in the wrong. Nothing I'm going to say will, will defend his actions, but... Vigilante corporal punishment is not okay either. Like, <laughs> Agreed. Is, so that's all I'm saying. And obviously it's very dramatic and it's clear that she's like gotten past the point where she should have gone. And she is actually stopped by Leon, the homeless guy from earlier, who kind of like wanders into the scene. He's like, hey, Barbara, what are you doing? And she's like, mind your own business. And she runs off. So the guy does not die. He's just super bloody and bruised on the street. All right. Well, fine. <laughs> <laughs> But it's clear that she's taking, it's like, she's not staying very yeah. true to herself and her beliefs. Right. No, absolute power corrupts absolutely exactly. the whole thing. She, can't, she yeah. can't hold on to it. So meanwhile, they make it to Cairo and Maxwell is there with the Egyptian guy who was in all the magazines earlier, who's like the king of oil. He's... Wait, 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 wait. How did they get to Cairo? Like, I know they're like... They did, flew did, the plane to Cairo and I landed We're somewhere. We're not going to see them try to like negotiate <laughs> no. with the Cairo nope, landing? No, 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 no. Okay. No. They're just there, Sam. They're just there. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I want to make sure you're like, I didn't miss something about there. Oh, I I guess they flew invisibly and landed in Cairo somehow. (laughs) No, they just, I don't even know where they get the the gas to like go back later. (laughs) Oh, they go back in the same invisible plane. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Okay. (laughs) How how else are they going to get back, Sam? (laughs) In a movie that's otherwise a perfect film, this plane is is the fly in the ointment. So the guy, the rich king of oil, is like, how did you do it? Like, how did you get all those, all the oil to suddenly come to you? Nobody's that lucky. And Maxwell's like, well, I discovered the power of the wish. Let me show you. Wish for something. And the dude is like, you know, questioning it, but he's like, sure, sure. He's like, I wish for all my ancestral land to be returned, the Bialian dynasty, and for all the heathens who trod upon it to be kept out forever so that its glory may be renewed. That's quite a wish. (laughs) I know. Max was like, cool, cool. Your wish is granted. And in return, I will take your oil. And the guy kind of like laughs at him. He's like, I sold all my oil to the Saudis. Like, I don't don't have any oil. Oh, he got one over on him. <laughs> so he's like, good luck on that. And Maxwell just like kind of glares and he's like, then I will take your security team. Good luck with the well, raft. Well, that's not how this works. Yeah, that's how it apparently works. He's like, good luck with the you raft. You can be like, 
Here's the here's the exchange we're gonna make. Oh, I got screwed on it. Let me just change the deal unilaterally. This is why you need contract rules in magical contracts. Okay, well, none of that happens. So <laughs> that's BS. Absolute BS. He takes the security team. He like snaps his fingers. They all follow after him, and he's like, "Good luck with the wrath you'll certainly face." And they all walk off. And meanwhile, a giant wall like protrudes from the ground, blocking the land, like just going across Egypt. And the news runs rampant with stories about how the the king guy he owns it, and the guy runs after their convoy. He's like, "Hey, no, come back. Wait, <laughs> like I don't want this." <laughs> Can't get other security, but also I'm so angry angry at how this contract is just so <laughs> unilateral. It's nonsense. It is. So magically, Steve and Diana find Maxwell on the road, like as he's driving out of the area they were following him to. I guess they what? knew where he was going. I don't know how. Right. <laughs> they see him and they like U-turn and start to follow him. And when Maxwell sees who it is, because they are not unsuspicious, they literally just pull up and point at him. And when Maxwell sees who it is, he's like tells the security team to take them out. And Diana magically changed it to her costume somehow. It's like Superman going into the phone booth, except there's no phone booth. She's just in the car with Steve, and then suddenly she's in her outfit. And I can only assume that it, like, pushes through her skin and her clothes just magically, like, melt off her body. Or she was wearing it underneath her outfit, maybe. Yeah, maybe she just wears it constantly and just pulled yeah. off the rest of her clothes. <laughs> okay, other question. Doesn't that just blow her spot up? Because she just was identified by Maxwell and then changed into this Wonder Woman outfit. And she has the same face. She yeah. looks exactly the yeah, same. Yeah, she looks exactly the same. She's not trying to hide who she is. I don't know, Sam. <laughs> I didn't also, even think about why that. Is Maxwell right. like, why, why is Maxwell like, oh, there's Diana. Kill her. Like, why, why is he suspicious of her? Um. Well, he's like... I assume is like wondering what they're doing there, but at about the same time, the oil bear and the other guy, like the king guy, his other troops, I guess, start chasing them on the road. So now they're caught in a crossfire between the oil baron and Maxwell. Okay. Non-oil So there were a baron security going, well, those are like three security guys walking away. It's not really that big a deal. It was like 20, but yeah, there was like, I'm sure he had a whole other army of people. I doubt he just had the people that were on the floor with him. Well, Maxwell's terrible at negotiating these deals that he has complete power over. Yeah, I know. Well, he was surprised that he didn't have oil. He didn't think it through. Also, trading oil for an entire like country or like reshaping of the global order. Like the oil prices are going to tank Ew. with the disruption to Well, Sam, the, nobody the thinks about that. He just wants his stupid oil. <laughs> But like, all right, I'm just saying it's more complicated than that. You need a stable market for anyway, go on. <laughs> so uh there's a big fight scene, lots of guns, blah blah blah. There is a very cool scene where she flips a truck and it launches her into the air like it catapults her uh onto another vehicle, which was very cool. Like she just sort of yeah. flies through. I would highly recommend that scene. <laughs> and she cool. lands on the front window of Maxwell's car and tells him everyone's in great danger with the stone and like where is it essentially? And Maxwell's like, You're looking at it. And then Why he, did she, he tell and her? She's like, What? <laughs> I don't know. Because he, he feels all powerful. He's clearly, uh, as you said, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And then for reasons, there are a bunch of kids playing on the highway and apparently they can't hear all of what? the like guns and cars. <laughs> <laughs> and she's they're just like playing soccer. None of the parents, like, there's a little store right there or, or, a, or I don't know, a Danielle, house or something. <laughs> this movie went from being, you know, goofy, but at least plausible to being just a bucket of convenience and nonsense. It's wild. This part, this particular part was the worst part, I think, for convenience plot lines. <laughs> I mean, I think I start with the plane, but here we go. This is the best part, Sam, though. So she sees the kid. She's right. like, oh, no, I've got to get the kids off the street. And so she rescues them by attaching her lasso of truth to, like, a rocket launcher that Steve, like, 
sets off. So she like what? she like wraps her lasso around it and it flies her through the air and she manages to like scoop the kids off the ground. <laughs> Flying by a rocket pro- propelled <laughs> Diana. Yeah, it was amazing. And so as she's no grabs the it, she would she would deflect that missile with her like the extra mass would not like, it wouldn't fly straight. It doesn't have like the the engine capacity. Like they're balanced for the size of their payload. <laughs> Well, Sam, she's doing it. And just as she grabs the kid, she's like flying through, she's trying to get them off the street. She looks up and you can tell she's feeling her power dissipate. She doesn't know what's going on. And the lasso suddenly disappears and she falls to the street. And the kids are fine, but she loses Maxwell. He manages to drive past them. Did she wish to be normal? No, she wished for Steve but to be back right okay yes but i, I think forgot. it was the what well, we kind of get into it a little bit in just a minute and the trade it was made was <laughs> the her trade power was to, her power yeah okay again how are people like how is it legitimate people aren't understanding the trade like they're not agreeing to the terms of the trade i don't know sam it's just an evil stone <laughs> okay so diana makes a call to barbara and is like any news on the stone and barbara's like yeah i actually i haven't found out what it is but i did find a bunch of historical images of it it cropped up about four thousand years ago and then she names like several historical atrocities mostly civilizations collapsing where perfect where actually where it also like cropped up during the years and she says her final lead is a flyer about a Mayan shaman that supposedly knows about the stone. And what? why she grabbed a flyer about a Mayan shaman and a letter to the stone, we'll never know. But she's Wh- checking that out they, in the morning. <laughs> why does there exist a, fl- I mean, a Mayan shaman in modern times who knows about the stone? And why does he have a flyer proclaiming that? Like, this is I don't think it questions. claims that he knows the stone. I think it just claims he's a Mayan shaman. And one of the civilizations, the only correlation I can think of is one of the civilizations that's mentioned that got destructed with the supposed stone in, in place was the Mayan civilization. They're blaming I don't think that was a magic stone so much as imperialism. Okay, but what right. Do I know? But supposedly the stone was there. So my only thought is maybe she saw the flyer of the Mayan shaman and was like, maybe that if he's a truly Mayan, maybe he knows something about the stone, so she grabbed it and contacted him, and he did supposedly no. know something of the stone. It's the only no. connection I can no. think of because no. it's no. insane. No, no. <laughs> I refuse to accept. This. <laughs> I know it was the dumbest thing in the entire world. I could not believe that that was like, and she says it just such a throwaway line. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Diana's like, great. I, I, is this dumber than the plane? I can't figure out if it's dumber than the plane. <laughs> yeah, we're, almost, we're almost there, Sam. We're almost the midway point. <laughs> All right. Bring okay. it. So Diana says that Steve and her will meet them, meet her there at the Mayan Shamans the next morning. So they fly back, assumedly. Somehow. With perfect. their magic fuel. Overnight. <laughs> In a, in a magic invisible jet with infinite fuel. Yeah, they made it. So the next morning, they find Babajit, who is the Mayan shaman, and he's played by Ravi Patel. <laughs> sure. And he says his great... He's not Mayan. He's not Mayan, I assume. I could be wrong. He says his great, 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 or whatever grandmother was Mayan, and he has a book. And like with Mayan, you know, stuff in it. And what he does know about the the stone is that it destroyed their people and they buried the stone never to be exhumed under any circumstances. So they did the Jumanji thing. Yeah, which absolutely always works. Jumanji. <laughs> and Diana goes, like, takes the book from him and goes through it and looks completely struck when she reads one part of it. Apparently she reads Mayan. Yes, of course she does. Of course she does. <laughs> and apparently the stone was created by the God of Lies, the Duke of Deception. The God of Lies. Do, do got another one there, <laughs> no. Danielle? They say a couple of them, but I just really like Duke of Deception, so I wrote it down. That's a good one. I thought you'd appreciate that one. <laughs> and she's like terrified by this. She's like, oh my gosh, there obviously has to be a trick to this stone. Who made it? The God of Lies, the Duke of Deception. He created the stone, so there has to be a trick to it. Yeah, but what's his name? 
Oh, she doesn't give him a name. She says he's gone by many names, and she lists several names. Oh, okay. Well, that's helpful. <laughs> it's a god of lies, the Duke of Deception, Sam. <laughs> All right, let's call him the Duke from here on in. <laughs> so Steve is like, it's the monkey's paw. It grants your wish, but it takes your most valued possession. Diana, your, what a monkey paw does. your powers, is what she said. She's like, it's like the monkey's paw, is what he says. And Barbara's uh, like, wait, what is more valued than the thing that you wished for? That doesn't make any sense. And the Mayan guy is like, legend says it can only be stopped by destroying the stone itself or give back what was given. And they realize that they have to either destroy Maxwell or everybody has to give cool. up their wishes. Like anybody who's made a wish has to give up their wish. And Barbara's freaking out about destroying Maxwell. And when they turn to look for her, she has disappeared. Do, do, do. So, so, so let me make this straight. If any individual person is just like, you know what? I want to undo my wish. It's done. It's over. Yeah. So you only get one wish. But if you're like, you know what? I don't like this wish anymore. I'm done with it. The stone gets destroyed. If everybody, if every single person who's wished on it during oh, this this time, so like everyone, yeah. So like every person, he's like stopped to be like, I mean, like the Egyptian guy would have to give up his wish. The uh, guy okay, was okay, in, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you said federal penitentiary. Like no, every single person who's wished this round, or they have to destroy Maxwell. Well, obviously this wish is destroy Maxwell. I'm sorry. You know, and that's what they're talking about. Like, well, that's never going to happen. Like, we don't even know how many wishes have been made, or who's made them, or like, yeah, yeah. You know, how are we going to get everybody to give back their wish? Like the only real alternative is to kill Maxwell. And that's when Barbara disappears because she's very attached to him. From that one encounter. brief fling well, they had in you office. You have to understand that she was very, she's like a little bit like Selena Kyle in the Catwoman. Like she's just very unsure of herself. She doesn't have any friends. Like she's bossed around by everybody. Nobody likes her. And she's finally like had a guy interested in her and had a turnaround. And then she's like, you're going to kill the guy I love. Are you serious? <laughs> Which Catwoman? Is this the, the Halle Berry one? I was thinking more like Michelle Pfeiffer-y, because she's very Michelle like Pfeiffer torn one. down in that movie. Yeah, okay. I couldn't tell you about the Halle Berry one, Michelle Pfeiffer, or the Anne Hathaway <laughs> <laughs> All fun, but... <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, okay. So they got to go kill Maxwell. Sounds like a plan. Yep. And that's where we will leave you today, Sam. <laughs> well, uh, when you started this movie, I'm like, okay, this just sounds like a doesn't sound that weird. It just sounds like a, a generic superhero <laughs> movie. But boy, did it start getting real, real dumb and like making some real interesting choices with how it got people from place to place towards the end there. And I approve. Yeah, I know it's fabulous. It just, it, like I said, it spins wildly out of control. This plot, it's great so far. I can't wait to hear it resolves. Who knows? Will they get the wishes back? Will they? Will Maxwell die? Will he be? able to support his son in the future or will, is he just a loser who knows will the man whose body they jacked ever get <laughs> his, his chance for justice you know <laughs> only if they give up their wishes sam <laughs> which she absolutely should do because i'm sorry you don't get to decide about someone getting completely subsumed by this other person will we ever learn who the duke of deception really is i do not recall to be honest <laughs> so who knows <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to hear from our listeners. And then I, then I want them to send us regards to this episode. I want you to tell us all your best possible names for this trickster god. Yes, please. Like, ones that aren't in the movie. Like, if you have a new one you want to send us, you want to call him, you know, the Mr. Pants on Fire or something. <laughs> Jerome. <laughs> Jerome. Jerome the Liar. <laughs> if, you have, if you have a grudge against Jerome, you can do that. That's fine. We don't know this Jerome. We can't tell you if, if he's good or bad, but you might be able to. <laughs> 
You can send those names to us at bookretorts.com. You can also tweet Instagram or Facebook us at bookretorts. And if you want more of our nonsense, you can support us at patreon.com slash bookretorts. Patreon! (laughs) And I guess... Tune in next week, boys and girls, for the thrilling conclusion of Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> like, wait, Invisible what Jets? is this movie called? <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I got so hung up on the Invisible Jet, I forgot what year it took place in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until then, bye. And take care, everybody. I mean, you could do an armadillo too, but they are great. Yeah, so yeah. friends to vampires, I hear. <laughs> We're going back to Monster Squad, huh? I mean, why not? What else do we have to add with armadillos? <laughs> I like that's not the only thing you remember about that movie. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, that's not. There was like some kind of book involved, and he called the mom, and for some reason, the mom took the message. <laughs> There was a perfect no, the water park it. was our, our I thought there was a water park, but then I realized that was our made up interpretation no. of it. That was yeah, yeah, a water park. That was us, Danielle. <laughs> we, like how you cut you retcon our nonsense to be like, Oh yeah, that's how the movie went. I mean, it was a pretty good retcon. <laughs>